welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. Uh, we are so very glad that you have joined us for these few minutes uh, this weekend. And uh, I do hope your summer is going well. Before we jump into our teaching, I want to mention to you, as I often do, uh, if you haven't yet discovered this uh, wonderful resource called the U version, uh, just search for it in your app store by those very words. Get it on your phone, your device. If uh, you go to the lower right-hand corner, open up the menu, click on events, search for Arlington FM, and you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Well, I'm excited to uh, introduce a brand new series uh, to you this weekend, and it's called uh, Chasing Life. Uh, Chasing Life, and you know, I don't know what uh, comes to your mind when you hear those words, but uh, I think some of us think about uh, being thrill seekers. Uh, you know, people who wanna squeeze uh, every ounce out of life that they possibly can. Uh, Maybe you would refer to them as adrenaline junkies. It would be people like this. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that's something I would want to do. Uh, it would be people like this who actually made a movie of his uh, free solo ascent up El Cap. And all that stood between him and a 3,000-foot drop uh, was his fingertips and, and the end of his toes clinging to that vertical face. Or uh, it might be people like this. Uh, this is uh, noted as one of the world's scariest places to bungee jump. And uh, my, my youngest son actually jumped off of a bridge in New Zealand called uh, Kiwaru. And uh, he told us after he'd already done it, which I'm glad he did, because I would have certainly tried to talk him out of it. But as he was describing what it was like, he said as he stood on that platform, he prepared himself. And uh, as soon as he leapt off, he was going to scream at the top of his lungs. But he said when he, uh, when he finally left touch with that platform, he went to scream and nothing came out. It all just kind of stuck there in his chest. And, uh, you know, my reaction is whatever floats your boat, you know, whatever gives you that sense of excitement about uh, your life. But that's not what we mean when we say chasing life. What we're talking about is that a very human desire that exists within the heart of every person to, to take hold of life that is more than just checking in the time clock. It's more than the mundane. It's more than uh, leaving a carbon footprint and then moving on in this world. It's a sense that uh, you want your life to mean something. Uh, some might call this a motivation to do more. Uh, others might see it as an inspiration to be more. Well, I hope in this series that you will hear it as an invitation to take hold of what God is offering to you, uh, to, to actually live the good and perfect will that the Bible describes God has in his heart for each person. You know, there's some great examples uh, throughout the scriptures of God stirring, sparking this quest for life in the hearts of people. Uh, Abraham, known as the father of our faith, uh, God's invited him to uh, come outside, look up at the stars, and he said, uh, go ahead, try and count those stars. And then he, God made a, a staggering promise. He says, your descendants, even though you're childless and barren, you're an old man, your descendants are going to be greater in number than those stars of the sky, and I'm going to bless you. 
and I'm going to bless the world through you. Uh, I think of Joshua chapter 1. Uh, God says to Joshua, you see this land that's in front of you, this land of promise? Well, take note of this. Every place on which your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. Only don't be afraid. Don't shrink back. I think of the words of Jesus when he spoke to uh, his first gathering of followers. He said, you know, God knows that you need things and stuff in life. But if you'll do this, if you'll seek first his kingdom and seek a life that is in alignment with him, he'll add all these other things to your life along the way. Well, what is God doing in each and every one of those circumstances? God is stirring something in them. He's stirring something that he wants to stir in you. And that's a desire to seek what is best in life. Uh, God wants to awaken that motivation, that inspiration that uh, can drive us towards what is really good in life. And it's a passion, uh, a passion to not just accept what comes your way, but to believe that God has something better for you and to actually reach for it, to take hold of it, to embrace it. Well, we're going to explore uh, what that looks like to chase after life in that regard. And what are some steps? What are some habits we can actually incorporate into our lives to know that we're not allowing our best life to just pass us by? Well, here's a starting point. And I believe it's a starting point, not just for this series, but it's a starting point for all people who really would like to take hold of what God might have in store for them. Uh, this statement is found in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11. And here's what uh, the writer says. God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. And you say, wait, what? Is that some sort of riddle? That God has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God is up to. Uh, well, what does that mean that God has set eternity in the hearts of people? Well, I believe it's a longing for life that cannot be satisfied apart from God. That God has set something in the hearts of all humans that longs for life that is good, that is full, that is abundant. But this life cannot be obtained apart from connecting with God. It's like a beacon that connects us to a greater reality. Uh, yet that beacon is it's not functioning as it should. Uh, that's kind of a disconnect that Ecclesi the writer of Ecclesiastes is putting in front of us. That there is this beacon that reaches and search, searches for God, but it's, uh, it's kind of falling on deaf ears. It's not connecting. It's not reaching that place it's intended to. The potential is there but it's not fully engaged. Uh, can anyone relate to that? That uh, on your, in, maybe in your times of solitude, when no one's listening in but you, uh, you know there's this lean toward God, but you can't quite connect it with God. Uh, the word angst comes to mind, and if you look it up, it actually speaks of a kind of a deep, unsettled longing that uh, you're not quite there, but you know uh, you know where you're at is not where you want to remain. Uh, you know, the amplified version of this, uh, this passage, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verse one, 11, 
is very helpful. Uh, listen to how this version translates those thoughts. Uh, God has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity and then this uh, amplification, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. God has put that there. It's a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Uh, yet man cannot find out, cannot comprehend, cannot grasp what God has done. His overall plan from the beginning to the end. See, it speaks to that longing for eternity and for God's best that has been deposited in, it's like the DNA of our very existence. We long to return to God and to take hold of what he has created us for. Here's a good way to say it. There's something in your heart that resonates with God's call on your life. There's something in everyone's heart that, that connects to and resonates with God's call on our lives. Well, what do we do with that? If we're not using that, uh, what some have called a God-shaped vacuum to connect with God, uh, where does that take us? Where does that drive us? Well, uh, I believe, much like those photos you saw of thrill seekers, that longing for the eternal nature of God takes us to the highest mountains. It uh, plunges us to the deepest oceans. Uh, we reach for the outer regions of space. We get addicted to stuff and to things trying to fill that void. Uh, we may travel to a monastery in Tibet uh, looking to satisfy that longing or a vortex in Sedona. We may attend a Burning Man festival in Reno, or we may even find a palm reader on Aurora Avenue. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we will do something with that eternal longing for God that has been deposited in our hearts. Yeah, I have a friend who wrote a song that became very, very popular uh, a few decades ago. Maybe you're familiar with it. It's called As the Deer uh, Pants for the Water, So My Soul Longeth After Thee. And I, I love his story of when that song, when he came to his heart, he said he was uh, sitting in his home on a hot summer day, uh, just feeling unsettled, uh, feeling that angst we've been talking about. And uh, he did what many of us would do. He went and found the remote, turned the TV on, scanned the channels for a time, and realized that that wasn't meeting that void that he was feeling in his heart. So then he did the next best thing. He went to the refrigerator and uh, scanned what was there and what wasn't there and uh, closed the door and realized that wasn't meeting this longing that was in his heart. And uh, finally he sat down and began to turn that desire toward God. And uh, out came the words, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Well, here's the point of this series. Uh, we all have those longings for God. We all have that appetite for God. We all have that thirsting after the one who is eternal and is beyond our temporary existence. Well, I believe that God wants to help us direct that toward himself. Uh, God wants to help us. Uh, amplify the signal of that beacon so that we can indeed find our deepest longings in the only one who can truly satisfy them. Uh, listen to these words of Jesus as he addressed this quest that I believe all people are on. Uh, Jesus said, ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. Uh, that's an amazing proclamation that Jesus is making. He's saying, really, it doesn't matter what your faith is, what your nationality is, what your heritage is, what your experience is, where you're at in life. Everyone who asks, uh, they find. Everyone who seeks, they find. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened uh, to them. And see, that's an amazing reality. Uh, and it, it begs the question, am I experiencing God like that? When, am I seeking God in such a way that I'm actually finding God? Am I pursuing God in such a way and bringing my real needs to him that I'm actually experiencing God respond to those? And uh, am I experiencing the very presence of God as I push and find that door being open to me? Well, that's uh, Jesus said that's a reality that's available to every human being that's created in the image of God. Uh, that longing in our hearts can lead us to some amazing places. Hear that statement again. That, that longing, that desire, that appetite, that quest for the eternal God, if we direct it in the right ways, it can lead us to some amazing outcomes where we, we experience the provision of God and the answers of God and the very presence of God. You know, the prophet Jeremiah uh, spoke to a people who'd lost touch with that, that quest for God that was in their hearts. In fact, in, in one uh, part of his prophetic announcement, he said, you've, you've, you've taken that longing and you've created wells for yourselves that hold no water. Uh, in other words, you're doing things that don't really satisfy and don't bring you into that experience of God that that longing is meant to draw us toward. And uh, he says, uh, God speaking, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And they are plans to prosper your life, not to harm you. They're plans to give you hope and to give you a future. How many would love to have that assurance that God is indeed working to bring about a good future in our lives? And, and then he says this, then you will call on me. You will come and you will talk to me or pray with me, and I will listen to you. We'll have a meaningful interaction. And then these wonderful words, you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I hear that again. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I believe God is touching on the genuineness of our longings the authenticity of which we pursue life beyond the mundane. And here's the truth. God wants to be found when we want to find God, when we genuinely have that desire to know the truth. God says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, I want to take us to a wonderful psalm. You know, the psalms are an amazing compilation of writings. Most of them written several hundred years before the coming of Christ. And in particular, uh, this one psalm, Psalm 84, it speaks about directing 
that, uh, that longing, that eternity, that quest that God has placed in the heart of every human being, it speaks about directing that toward the God who is, the God who is, exists. And uh, this particular psalm was written 600 years before the time of Christ. It's, uh, it's part of a grouping of psalms known as the pilgrimage psalms. And that's an important phrase. And as we go through this series, we'll really begin to uh, understand uh, what the spirit of, of the psalmist is saying, these pilgrimage psalms. And uh, one commentary spoke of psalm, uh, these, these group of psalms. It says they attempt to provide hope to people who are living in exile or far away from God. And despite the fact that they're going through the religious celebrations that were required of them, they were not experiencing the hope that they once had. In other words, they're going through the religious motions, but they're not finding God. They're not experiencing God's presence in their lives. They're not uh, seeing the door opened up to them. And so these Psalms are meant to move them beyond that into a real and genuine experience of God. And so we read Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. How lovely is the place where you live. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. See, this is exactly uh, what my friend was experiencing uh, when he went to the the TV and didn't find his need met there and went to the refrigerator. He put his finger on what was really happening. His soul and his flesh were crying out for God to be near to God, to be in that place where he felt that God was near to him. The psalmist goes on. He says, even the sparrow has found a home, the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. And we all say, well, oh, isn't that cute. You know, the little birdie has found a place to be near to God. But what the psalmist is trying to say is that even those creatures that were considered worthless, uh, the sparrow has found a home, a place of refuge, a place uh, where uh, the bird had a future and a hope, a place near the altar of God, the Lord Almighty, my King and my God. And the psalmist says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. See, at the heart of a quest for God that truly experiences him uh, must be this awareness that that's a good place, that that's a lovely place, that uh, being in the presence of God is a place of safety, a place of provision. You know, at the time this psalm was written, that was not a common idea in the world that being near to God was a safe place to be. In fact, whatever gods were thought to exist were generally uh, understood to be pretty unwelcoming, to be pretty hostile, to be pretty aggressive, and uh, to not supply the kinds of things that the psalmist is celebrating here. In fact, in the time when the psalm was written, uh, you mostly tried to appease the gods to keep them off your back. In fact, uh, many of the nations surrounding uh, Israel were sacrificing their very own children to appease the gods and try to guarantee uh, a life free from their harassment. And uh, this may come close to the God that some of you experience, that, 
rather than God being uh, some uh, immense, immensely loving personality, you see God as someone to be avoided, uh, someone to be afraid of or to cower from. Well, that's not the God who is being spoken of here. And that's a key. If our chasing life, if our desire to follow that, that longing that God has placed within us is to find the right outcomes, we must believe that God is good. Uh, the writer to Hebrews said, if anyone would draw near to God, he must first believe that God exists. That makes sense. And that God rewards those who diligently seek him. See, that's the basis of a, a relationship with God is somewhere in the mishmash of truth about God that's in the world, a, a light of revelation that comes to our spirits, comes to our hearts, that, that part of us that resonates with God says, God, God must be there and God must be good, and therefore I must be near to God. Uh, you know, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever diligently ser searched for a place and then when you found it, it wasn't near what you had hoped for or what you expected it to be? My wife and I were vacationing. I'm not even going to say the name of the city because I don't want to get anyone in their chamber of commerce upset at me. But uh, we were in this particular city vacationing and we decided to go from the beach where we were at uh, to kind of get to know the city a little bit. So we searched online, uh, found a, a vacation rental and uh, began to make our way there. And the photos online looked wonderful, looked idyllic. It looked like a great place to enjoy another side of what this city had to offer. We, as, as we arrived at where the uh, navigational directions took us, all we could see was a building that looked like a prison. And on one side of it was a, an alleyway that looked like a place you'd want to avoid. And on the other side was a railroad tracks. And so we drove around and around this building, uh, wondering if we were in the right neighborhood. And at last it became apparent, this was it. This was the place we thought was so attractive and desirable. Well, being near to God is just the opposite of that. Uh, being near to God truly is a place of refuge, truly is a place of refreshment, truly is a lovely place place uh, I've shared with some of you recently when my wife and I were hiking this wonderful trail called the Oak Creek Trail. Uh, we came to the end of the trail and thought, well, that was it. It was a beautiful hike, but it's over. And uh, my wife said, no, let's keep going. And so she got in the water and we, we continued to walk up this uh, amazing creek. And we got to this place where the, the red rocks of the canyon literally came down on both sides of the creek. And the, the luscious greenery and this, this heron there welcoming us uh, almost as if to say, welcome to my wonderful world. And it's that kind of loveliness that the psalmist says, this is the nature of being near to God, of being in the presence of God, of experiencing God who is real and God who exists. Uh, even the sparrow uh, finds a place there to to take refuge and to begin to have a future. You know, as we continue uh, grappling with the uh, emergence from this last year and a half that we've been through with the pandemic and all of the other issues that seem to cascade into our lives, it's become apparent 
that uh, behind the events, one of the leftovers uh, is a tsunami of mental and emotional health issues. And uh, those are very real. And they're coming out uh, in our society and in our relationships and uh, a myriad of ways. Uh, one of them, it almost seems like mixed martial arts has taken to the skies. And uh, we find ourselves in a tube with 300 other passengers for any degree of time and multiple of hours. And the aggression starts coming out. The annoyance starts coming out. And uh, all people in this environment are being urged to care for each other, uh, to become, in a sense, a place of refuge for one another. I, I saw this site that our state has produced, and I was very impressed by it. It's called a mindfulstate.org, and I, I love the invitation. It says, look, a lot of us, millions of us, are struggling with mental and emotional health. We need each other, so let's, let's step up. Uh, let's hear each other's stories and let's uh, offer the kind of care and concern for one another that we desperately need. And uh, it, it grieves me uh, to hear some Christians look at a resource like that and say, well, that's just another example of people living without God trying to make their way without turning to God. And, you know, my response to that is as a Christ follower, shame on you. If that's your reaction to people that are hurting and broken and trying to find a way uh, to care for one another. In fact, Jesus said the hallmark, the number one identifying quality of people who truly did follow him would be their love for other people. That we would love people the way that he has loved us. In fact, Paul says it in Romans, while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us and that Christ died for us. So uh, giving ourselves, we should be in the middle of those kinds of conversations, uh, bringing the hope, bringing the comfort, and bringing the refuge uh, that God has extended to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Well, um, the writer goes on describing this lovely place that is the presence of God. He says in verse 5, How blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I hope that you'll really dial into those, those words. Those will become a theme of this series, Chasing Life. Uh, how blessed are those whose strength is in God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And uh, then he describes their journey to be in the presence of of this one who is loving and living in a place of, of uh, strength. He says, as they pass through these barren places, the Valley of Baca, which was a dry and harsh and barren landscape, they turn it into a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. See, the, the psalmist is describing what a life's journey is like when it's done uh, accessing uh, the availability of God, uh, that there's a sense in which strength is being replenished. Uh, we're not just slogging on, uh, holding on, uh, trying to get through by the skin of our teeth. A uh, number of years ago when uh, I was uh, younger and quite more foolish than I am today, 
I used to go on these marathon drives. In fact, I'd get up quite early in the morning, uh, drive from Seattle down to Central Oregon where I'd join my family. Sometimes I'd get up so early that I could make it down there for breakfast. And uh, after breakfast and the morning spent together, we would attend an afternoon, sometimes an early evening college football game. And uh, after that, uh, endurance test would go on for three, four hours. Uh, I would say goodbye to my family and drive back to Seattle. And uh, it was crazy trying to make that drive after that kind of a day. Uh, I can literally remember fighting uh, to keep my eyes open and uh, being somewhere south of uh, Centralia and almost in an instant realizing I'm driving through Tacoma and wondering where in the world did Olympia go? Well, it's that kind of, of holding on, grinding it out that uh, the psalmist says, we don't have to do life like that. Uh, when we access the resource of God's very presence, uh, he makes even the dry places a source of refreshment. Good things actually come in the difficult times. In fact, he says, as we pass through those times, our lives are not defined by them. They are actually enhanced as we go through them. Well, the psalmist invites us uh, to take a rest stop. In fact, he invites us to bring the very presence of God along with us on our journey through life. Uh, look at this photo here. This uh, man's name is Chris uh, Nisik, and uh, he's the guy in the middle of these two other gentlemen, and he's actually the very first Down syndrome person to complete an Ironman race. And you'll see that guy on his left, your right, uh, is, he's got a, a vest on that says guide. And if you look even closer, you'll see that between Nick and his guide, they're tethered together. There's a little cord that actually connects them one to another. And uh, as Nick went on this arduous Ironman uh, endurance run, which consists of a two and a half mile swim, uh, stick a fork in me, I'm done at that point, followed by a 112 mile bicycle ride. Uh, better call the coroner's office if that's me. And then finally, uh, after those two, a 23 mile marathon race. Uh, again, if that's me, I hope you'll say something nice at my funeral. Uh, but uh, Nick's parents were concerned that he could actually complete this. And uh, his guide uh, spoke to his parents and said, I will get him through it. I'll never leave his side. I'll be with him every stroke of the swim race, uh, every pedal on that bike, and every step of that marathon. And that's a beautiful picture of what uh, that, that, that presence, that connecting to uh, the reality of who God is, the impact that God can have on our journey through life. Finally, the psalmist ends. He says, better is one day in your courts, O God, than a thousand somewhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. See, they say if you're going to uh, compete in the rat race, uh, well, there's really no virtue in that because even if you win, you're still a rat. And uh, the psalmist is saying, I don't want to live life that way. I would rather uh, be in touch with God. Uh, well, why is that so important? He says, because the Lord God is a son and a shield. The Lord God is a source of life and a protector. And the Lord bestows favor and honor. Just list those. The Lord is a son. 
The Lord is a shield. The Lord bestows favor. The Lord bestows honor. And then, oh, uh, this final benefit of doing life, uh, accessing God's presence. No good thing does God withhold from those whose journey, whose walk is blameless. In other words, it's aimed in the right direction of pursuing him. Well, uh, as I lead us in a prayer, uh, you know, as we uh, open this series, Chasing Life, and uh, look at directing this, this urge that we have uh, to know what is eternal, directing that toward the God who is. Uh, I was recalling a friend of mine who, uh, he said all of his life, he always uh, battled this, uh, this sense that he had wherever he was, he needed to be somewhere else. And he said that always uh, showed up in so many ways, and he just felt like that, well, that was, that was who he was. And uh, he recalls a one time of being on vacation with his family, and they were camping at a beautiful lake. They pulled the trailer in, set the tent up, put the chairs out. And uh, he said uh, as he sat in that, uh, that camping chair and looked out over the lake, he immediately had the thought, where do we go next? And uh, he kind of lived his life that way. He shaped his career that way. He managed to find jobs where he, he had to travel to do his work. And uh, he said one day uh, he was hiking in the Himalayas. His job had taken him to Nepal. And uh, as he was on this remote trail uh, with a Sherpa guide sitting on a rock, it suddenly dawned on him, why am I doing this? Why am I uh, following this inner need that always seems to force me to be somewhere else, to look for something besides what I have? And he realized, it dawned on him, uh, he had everything he need, needed without ever going anywhere. And he had this very presence of God that we have been talking about. Uh, Jesus said it like this, is anyone weary? Is anyone tired of, of uh, doing life on their own? Is anyone reached the end of that place where that longing, that eternity that's in their heart, that, that's, that's for God? Has anyone reached a point where they're ready to start filling that with the loving, resourcing, strengthening presence of God as he is? Well, Jesus said, well, let him come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my way is easy and my burden is light, and you'll get uh, rest for your souls. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for this invitation that we hear from your word and from your heart, uh, that you have created us with an appetite, with a, a desire uh, to know what is true, to know what is real, to tap into a strength that is beyond our limitations. And, and thank you, God, uh, for what we've heard uh, this weekend, uh, that your presence is a lovely place and that it's a welcoming place and that there is a, there's blessing that goes when we decide to set our hearts on pilgrimage. And I pray, God, that for whatever that means for each of us, uh, that there would be a turning right now that, that that random signal that goes out in search of, of uh, life that is more, life that is better, life that is beyond the mundane. And God, whatever we've done with that, 
I pray that through this series and through this weekend, you'll turn that, that desire, that longing for you, turn it toward you, Lord, and let it, let it begin to bring us uh, to a better place, to better outcomes, where we would experience what Jesus himself said, whoever asks, receives. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. The one who seeks will find. God, uh, help this week. Uh, help us to get on that pathway that leads even through the barren places and turns them into places of refreshment. I pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen.